0: Hey there, and welcome to episode 26 of the Better With Running podcast. And once again, I'm joined with my co-host Zach and Newman. How are you, mate?
1: Good to be back here, Matty. Yeah, big, big episode. Jam packed. I think um we we're just probably gonna be uh nudging up to the uh hour forty, hour fifty mark, I reckon by, by uh it's all cut together. So yeah, really uh big one. Yeah, it
0: is, It's um we've got a we've got a few um few surprises in store actually, a few couple of interesting announcements and um yeah, we've also Got the uh, run to PV coach and trail queen Steph Austin. Um, so popular in the scene, so raw, passionate. And, um, yeah, it was great to hear about what she's been up to since we last had her on the podcast.
1: Yeah, and it's um, yeah perfect time for that long run to listen to uh, Steph talk about where, what she's been up to. And uh, and Maddie, you also caught up with your athlete Troy, who uh, was fresh off a big PV last weekend. It was uh, blowing up on our socials. Maddie, you uh, you had a chance to catch up with him. Yeah, yeah, I did.
0: Um, yeah, caught up with Troy and ha- had a good chat. And, yeah, it was really impressive running um, last weekend. Why, Troy, especially, he set a goal 12 weeks ago and he put together a, a really solid um, block there uh, leading up to the to the half um, half he did on the weekend. And, yeah, I was stoked to see him reach his goal time. Um, yeah, so uh, before we uh, chuck over to that, throw over to that interview, Zaka, we um, air one of the announcements that we Actually made last night. The um, Run to bv Virtual Five K kicking off from the first of October to the fourteenth of October, uh, with the generous support of New Balance and the running company Yarabut.
1: Yeah, super pumped for this one, Matty. This is exciting, uh, and and really thankful for Brad and Renee Fuller at uh, at the running company for coming on board, and and is with uh, New Balance putting up the the shoes there for um you know, and, and it's great to. Have an event like this that we can get the community together and, and put a pencil in, in the calendar um, a two week window to have a crack at that five k and and New Balance of and the running company have actually put up a pair of shoes for both male and female which are going to be it's going to be drawn at random so it's a case of you know working in with your coach and your plan and 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 putting it in there and uh, yeah getting your getting your name in the hat essentially so um, yeah, yeah sure. excited for that one mate.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And we actually caught up with Sammy earlier um to talk us through a bit about the uh the review of the, the shoe that's up for up for grabs and um yeah and also a bit about how he's tracking and yeah let's uh let's throw over to it.
1: Today Maddie and I have got a special guest with us. We've got Sammy the shoe dog McLean who's a regular here on the podcast with, uh, with Shoe Chat. Sammy's here to chat about uh, the run to pb virtual 5K that we've just kicked off. And he's going to take us through the shoe that we've got on, on offer for the a uh, couple of the prizes that we're putting up. But uh, thank you for the running company, Yarraville, for putting these up
2: and New Balance. Great to have you back, Sammy. How are you? Yeah, morning, Zach. morning, Maddie. Yeah, good, good to be on. Um, looking forward to chatting about the... The New Balance 1080, it's a great shoe. It, um, I always get excited when I bring this out for customers because it it rarely disappoints. Um, yeah, so it's a, an easy shoe to talk about in a, in a positive way.
0: Yeah, awesome. So what's a bit of um, history around the New Balance 1080?
2: Yeah, it's got some good kind of what we call heritage in that it's, it's always been a good shoe um, right from the start. So the first model was a... Was a good model, and and I feel like just every update they've just kind of got better at better with adding something to it, or just making it making it more functional for for a really kind of um, broad range of runners. So it, yeah, it's definitely one of those shoes that ticks a lot of boxes um, and just just seems to work well for you know it's very versatile. Whether you're a you know a high mileage runner that walks into the shop and you know you might be running a hundred miles a week, this shoe is going to work for you um, and you know if you're someone that's just running 5k a week you know two times getting out the door that it, it's going to work for you as well so yeah just a, a really good fun versatile shoe the, the 1080. Yeah
0: wasn't awesome, um obviously yeah it's going to suit a lot of people um, and then what, what would be then the weight of the shoe?
2: Yeah, like some of the specs of the shoe. So it weighs in at about nine ounces. So you're looking at what's that? It's two hundred and fifty grams. So yeah, it's you know that's that's it's a relatively light shoe there. Um, it sits on a I think it's thirty mil platform at the back and twenty two on the front. So you're looking at a eight mil pitch there an eight mil offset. Um, it's like it. I'm not sure if you've You've seen many new balances, but it's got quite a wide platform. Um, So you get like some really good ground contact out of the shoe when when you're running in it. Um, And if like aesthetically, when you're looking at the shoe from side on, you can see that it's got what we call like a, almost like a rocker type geometry. So it's quite beveled through the heel and beveled, beveled up through that forefoot. So it gives a really kind of nice, Smooth transition from from heel to toe when when you're running in it. So it's quite clever the way they've constructed this shoe. Um, The upper has got just a really kind of simple knitted upper that it almost feels like a sock or like a booty So it really kind of hugs the foot in a nice way, but it also lets the you know your toes move around freely as well. Um, So it really feels quite quite minimal when you're when you put it on, cause it's quite light and simple up top. Um, and then it's just got a really nice balance of being kind of like stable underfoot, but also that right kind of balance of cushion as well. So yeah, all, all good traits in a shoe.
0: So then it'd suit people sort of with a wider foot as well. Cause I know um, some of the shoes that I run in, like the pegs can be quite narrow at points, but um, yes, yeah, so I would absolutely suit someone with a, with a foot that's a bit wider.
2: Yeah, but it, it it does, and most most New Balance's shoes do suit um, broader foot shapes. But because this has like quite a a nice snug feel to it, if someone had a narrow foot, it's still going to feel quite nice nice to them and and fit them well. Um, yeah, so it's a it's very accommodating for most foot shapes. The the ten eighty. Yeah, look, it, New Balance are definitely one of those brands that seem to really listen to the feedback they're getting from like specialty run retailers like us and their sponsored athletes. And, and I think they really make changes to their shoes based on what they're hearing from their, from runners. Um, and yeah, like this, this is definitely one of those models that that just, yeah, you know, tick, ticks, a lot of bo- ticks a lot of boxes. <laughs> hey Sammy, where, where would this sort of sit in your
1: rotation of shoes in a, in a weekly uh, running program, as in, would it be your, your uh, everyday runner, long run shoe, whereabouts would it sit?
2: Yeah, I mean, look, I think that's why it's such a good shoe because because it is quite versatile in that, you know, let's just say someone had three pairs of shoes in their rotation, this might be their high mileage shoe. So they might just, you know, use it on their Sunday long run or some of those kind of midweek Midweek daily sessions, um, but you know, th- then for someone that maybe only has one pair of shoes, this is going to allow them to still do some faster sessions in it, as well as their their everyday running. Just simply because of that weight, um, you know, it-, it does pick up the pace quite well. Um, but then when you're just running slow in it, it just feels feels nice as well. Yeah. so you sell
0: a fair few um, at the running company in Yarraville?
2: Yeah, like it's um, like popular it,
0: kind of
2: thing. yeah, absolutely. Like it, as I said at the start, it really disappoints th- this shoe. It's got um, sometimes shoes have like that that stepping feel where when we first put it on, you know, we definitely get a strong sense of like what's this shoe feel like. And I reckon 99% of the time, people just that stepping feel with this is like, oh wow, that just feels really good um yeah and it, you know more often than not it often comes down to this shoe and maybe one other as as the last two when when we're trying it on with someone and seeing how it's functioning for them um, yeah but no it's i'm I'm sure with whoever wins the shoe through our competition they they're going to be happy with with the 1080 that's for sure mm. sure mate and and you've been rocking these for a little while now out on your
1: runs so take us through when you're running out there, what, what, what does it feel like
2: underfoot? Yeah, like, I, it's got that, it, they the seem to have got strike that really good balance between, how can I say it? Oh, Often a shoe, I reckon there's two ways you can differentiate between, a, say, a daily trainer. One will feel rather kind of stable and slightly firm, and then you get, you get shoes that feel quite soft and cushioned underfoot. With this shoe, you almost get that, all those things in the shoe. Yeah. So if you tend to be a runner that likes a little bit of that, a little bit more of that firmness underfoot, you'll still enjoy this. Um, but if you really like that cushion feel, you get a little bit of that in it as well. Um, and, and because of that kind of rocker geometry when you do start going a little bit faster and it, it does feel quite smooth and, and responsive when you start going a little bit quicker. Yeah, yeah.
0: Awesome. Uh, so, Sammy, you've set a bit of a goal for yourself um, for a bit of a 5K race. Can, can you share <laughs> with the
2: listeners, listeners what that is? Well, I didn't know I was going to make that public. Um, yeah, no, I am. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it within the, um, the two-week timeframe that we've got for our virtual run but yeah and no, I'm pretty keen to try and get under 16 minutes for 5k sometime this summer so um bit of a uh, project at age 46 that they're gonna have, have a crack at so might need to get one of you boys on, on hand as a coach to, to set some sessions <laughs> for me but um, yeah look I'm, I'm just finding with you know obviously having having a young baby that it, it's you know, I can fit in those quality sessions. So I've kind of made that the focus a little bit with my training rather than the mileage and, and doing longer stuff. Um, and, you know, I suppose with everything kind of COVID-wise and that, you know, hopefully we start to see some 5K track events come up over, over summer. Yeah, so um, that, that's the goal. Uh, so we'll, we'll see how it fans out. Uh, I mean, it's, I it, it's a great goal. Yeah, and it
1: is a perfect event. I know when um, we, we put this together with the, the help of Brad and Renee at the Yarraville Company and yourself running, uh, running company, it was um, sort of the timing is right, you know, coming into spring. And then, you know, with, with now the restrictions in Melbourne at least being lifted, that people can start to really uh, zero in on these um, on, on a 5K
2: like this one. And, and this will be a good one to kick off your campaign. Yeah, a bit of, you know, I think there's a bit of light at the end of the tunnel for people at the moment and you can see, you know, even just on Strava, people are getting a little bit more motivated again with, with their training and um, so, yeah, good good times ahead for, for runners, hopefully. Yeah, and with
1: those shoes up on offer, it's uh, that extra incentive to to jump on and, uh, and join in the virtual run.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yep, everyone likes free shoes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, well, so well anyway, thanks so Tom.
3: Yeah, Uh, very appreciate it.
2: Yep, um, looking forward to watching your progress. Yeah, if any of the listeners do have any more questions about the shoe, um, more than happy just to answer some more specific questions about it. But yeah, it's a really nice shoe, the 1080. Yeah, awesome, mate. Thank you, Sammy. Thanks, Sammy. Cheers, guys. Chat soon.
1: So Maddie, I mentioned at the top of the show last weekend, uh, you had a, a big time trial with your athlete Troy, who, who hammered out a, a PB over the half, and that was out in in Bendigo. I, I actually I had a whisper from uh, Coach Andy, runs PB Coach Andy Buchanan, that he he had a hand in setting up that course, or at least advising Troy. Uh, you know, he's a Bendigo legend or local legend, according to Strava, and he he was able to tip him off some a good course that. Um, yeah, Troy could go out and and smash out his half marathon and he actually broke two hours. Took six minutes off his PB. You must have been pumped with that, uh, Maddie.
0: Yeah, I was. Um, especially Troy, uh, he's come, come from a, a unique background um, as an Olympic lifter, weightlifting uh, background, um, as well as a, a lifting coach. And yeah, to see him um, perform so well and, and set that goal of... of um, breaking in hour fifty, and and um, yeah, putting it all together over those twelve weeks, and really, yeah, that transition from um, such an explosive uh, event to the endurance event was was um yeah, it was quite um yeah, fascinating to see how well he he took to um he took to the uh absolute polar opposites of um of yeah of the sports there, and. Yeah, I was I was stoked to to catch up with him and have a good chat about um his weightlifting career um and how the, the highs and lows of his career and, and sort of the um, the training that he had to undertake to to um yeah be so successful. Um and so yeah let's um let's why not throw over to it right now. Catching awesome. up with one of my athletes on the podcast today. Freshman knocking off six minutes from his half marathon PB, running it in one hour forty-nine. Uh, running it actually at the new home of um, Australian Distance running in Bendigo, Troy Higgins. Welcome to the show, mate. Thanks for having me, Matty. Good to be here. Yeah, great great to have you on. Um, yeah, I've been thinking about it for, for a while about asking you to come on because of, um, yeah, you've got a really good story here and I reckon the, the listeners will be excited to, to, um, yeah, to um, uh, hear, hear all about it. Now, before we dissect um, how, how your half marathon went, yeah, I'd really like to give some context to the listeners around your background. Um, and so quite often we hear the terms, things like chalk and cheese and day and night, Kirk and Spock. And rarely, though, do we hear the term something like endurance runner and lift, Olympic lifter mentioned. But, um, yeah, you've gone out and changed that. Um, so, yeah, you, you started Olympic lifting
4: when you were 13 years old. Um, how did you initially get into it? Yeah, mate, it, it's definitely very opposite um, what it takes to be good at both sports. But yeah, so I started when I was 13 in 1999. I'm sort of aging myself a little bit there. But um, in my first year of high school in Brisbane, uh, my PE teacher, he actually talent identified me as he um, coaching Olympic lifting, as niche as it is, very randomly. He was coaching it at lunchtimes and sort of after school and things like that. Um, and he saw that I was naturally very explosive in, in like the field events um, in athletics, like shot put, high jump and long jump, and I was only like 44 kilos and really short, but I was, I was putting it to the big boys in the shot put and stuff. So he said, um, come along, and I think I said something along the lines to him of, you know, I'm tiny, how, how can I be good at that? And he explained, you know, there's weight categories, like don't worry about that, just come along to training so yeah i went along and i took to it very well and improved drastically you know i continued right on through high school and and competed sort of at every youth national championships um which i was lucky enough to win sort of every year in a new weight category each year as i put on body weight and and then yeah after high school finish, i went on to train at cougars weightlifting club which um it's the best Olympic weightlifting club, hands down, in Queensland, and it's definitely one of the best in Australia, where there's, um, yeah, that's where I sort of really started to accelerate in my progress as a senior athlete, so yeah, that's, that's where it kind of all started, mate. Yeah, awesome, and what, what sort of, like at the age of 13, what sort of training um,
0: would you do for, for lifting?
4: Yeah, so it's a very technical sport. So a lot of people don't realise that it's not bench press and deadlift. So it's, you know, snatch and clean and jerk. And without going too much into the technique, because you can YouTube all that stuff. But it's very technical. Like, it requires a lot of strength, but strength is useless without the technique. So when you're younger um, and you're more nimble, it's kind of a good place to start. Um, I mean, these days, kids are a lot stiffer with iPads and all that stuff. But back then you know, when kids were kids and we got out and did stuff, we're all a lot more flexible. So he was able to sort of coach me a lot of the technical things about the sport, um, to help progress me later. Um, and then once I got better technically, you know, we're talking sort of overhead squats and things like that to, to get me ready to do like the snatch movement, which is the more technical lift. um, And it wasn't super heavy at that age, but it was only probably six months to a year before I was like, I was lifting maximal weights for what I could do at that age, but I kind of had that foundation of movement. However, looking back, like I was still really not very efficient, but I was moving well enough um, to at least add some weights to the bar. So, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting because I mean, um, quite a bit about
0: running and, and the like looking at um juniors and that sort of movement technique and that patterning is, is so important um and it like going mean, you can you talk about probably any sport and that that's um that's absolutely like key to to them progressing as you get older so yeah because I was just wondering like um when I saw you you started it and, and heard that you started when you were 13 what sort of training you would do because yeah well, I kind of more picture it as yeah jumping down and and doing the bench press as, as much as, you know, as, as heavy as you can do. Um, but yeah, obviously, yeah, that, that completely makes sense about, about the technique and because it is such a, a technique based sport. Um, yeah,
4: like it, it really is, yeah, it really is kind of like gymnastics, but with a barbell. Like it's not, you know, bench press, you just lay there and bring the weight down, and push it up. But, you know, when you throw on a bar from the ground straight overhead in one movement with a wide grip and it's going behind your head and above your head. And it is risky. Like, yeah, you've, you've got to put that foundational work in place because to, it's too hard to, to assess that later if, if you've got the wrong patterns ingrained. So, yeah. Yep. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And on,
0: that might relate to my next question because, I mean, looking at your lifting career, it wasn't always a smooth sailing and you won national titles in 2008 and 2009 but then needed a lengthy uh, rest after some knee and shoulder injuries. So what what happened around that time?
4: Yeah, well, um, my firstborn, Scarlett, she was born at the end of 2008. And um, I'd actually won the senior national title in 2006, 2008. And then after she was born in 2009, um, which was actually sort of the year that I achieved my best results, being 23 years old. Hmm. Um, and my coach would joke to my sort of now wife that, that Scarlett was good luck for my training, as you know, training was just on fire. But yeah, it was it was a tough time, um, as you know, I'm a pretty hands-on dad, and um, yeah, I'd have to get up for work at like four thirty in the morning, work till about five pm, drive an hour to train with sort of Queensland's best weightlifters, and they'd all be finishing up by the time I was sort of only halfway through my training. Um, session and then I'd be locking up the whole gym on my own and then yeah I'd go home and do the night duties with Scarlett and get up occasionally through the night if he was having a really rough night so um, with, with Scarlett so yeah it was it was tough but somehow I struck a balance with training that that helped sort of elevate my lifting but yeah we moved to moved from Brisbane to Bendigo in 2010 actually and um, that was after the Com Games trials and I took a few months off to settle in down here. And, um, you know, I had to find my new training facility, which wasn't hard because it was basically the only one around. Um, and it was very humble compared to where I'd been, you know, I was now going to be the big, big fish in a little pond because there weren't um, any high level lifters there. And once I got back into it, I just, um, I just rushed things. Um, you know, I'm always thinking ahead and I just wanted to get back to where I was, but I didn't, Mm. Spend the time to to get back into it slowly, and I ended up with like a shoulder impingement where I couldn't lift my arm like above chest level for about nine months. And um, while I had that, I was thinking, "Oh, this sucks." But while I've got it, you know, weightlifting's all leg strength basically, so I can keep squatting. Mm. And then you know, one day I forgot my knee sleeves, and I was squatting heavy, and I felt something click in my knee, and then um, yeah, I tore a meniscus. Um and then yeah, I basically had like all of twenty eleven and twenty twelve or oh, most of twenty twelve off. Um but yeah, you know, it's just it's just part of pushing your body in any in any sport, you know, you're always riding that knife edge of trying to improve as much as you can and, and getting injured. But yeah, after after those injuries and being twelve years in the game, I just you know, and having moved to a new place. I I just didn't actually know if I'd ever be um back in the sport to be honest it was a bit rough at the time Mm, yeah absolutely that um like what you said
0: there about the you you keep looking back right what what did I do in the past and you keep reflecting back right I could lift this or you know these are some of my pb sessions um and like that's so relates to running a lot as well when you when you're coming off a layoff and you you get back out and you try to do a session and and it's um, not comparable at all to, to what you could do. And so you push it a bit harder and then you end up getting injured again. Um, it's that vicious cycle. And, yeah, then um, but you managed to, manage to to make that comeback, though, um, after, those, after those injuries and, and quite a bit of time off. Um, how did that go? So in 2013, um, in the 85-kilogram division, of the Australian weightlifting champs, um, yeah, you won that, took that out, but then narrowly missed um, selection in the 2014 Com Games. Um, so, yeah, what, how did you go about that sort of comeback? And, um, and yeah, what happened with the, with the missing of the Com Games there?
4: Yeah, mate, so when you're sort of at that level, if you're not at Olympic level, which, you know, it's really hard in weightlifting, the Commonwealth Games was always, like, my biggest goal because I believed that it wasn't out of reach for me. Um, and I still believe that it was within reach. It just never quite happened. But um, you're always starting to think about the games. You know, you think about them in quads. Like as soon as one's done and dusted or you fail for one, it's four years away. But you think far out, like, what do I have to do now? But, you know, I was two years out. And in in late 2012, you know, we'd settled in here well and truly. We had my second daughter, Delilah, at the start of 2012. And, Um, I just missed weightlifting so much and you know um, my injuries had faded away and yeah I just missed it so much I thought I just don't feel like me anymore like it's just weird I I have to get back into this so I figured out how to um, loan some weights from Victorian weightlifting so I could train remotely at home in my garage because back then I didn't even know that CrossFit was a thing and I don't even know if there were any CrossFit gyms around Bendigo to be honest with you so um, I started training at home. I decided I'm, I'm making the push on for Glasgow um, Com Games. And, um, yeah, so that was always my main goal was to qualify for Com Games. But I mapped out a plan with my coach, who I hadn't really had a lot to do with for you know a year or two because of the injuries. But he was keen to sit back down with me for a chat. And he's an incredibly reputable coach in the sport. So we targeted some specific... Um, Competitions that were important in that build up. Um, so I competed, I ended up going in a small competition, qualified for um, senior nationals in 2013. Um, and they're actually being held back in Brisbane in the same complex where I used to train for all those years. Um, but yeah, that nationals was also combined with the senior Oceania Championships. Um, so I'd actually been sort of selected to represent Australia on the Australian team to compete for the Oceania championships sort of as well as the Australian title, but all, all lifting just the one time, but keeping um, score for both events, if that makes sense. So um, yeah, so I ended up winning the Australian title, like you mentioned, but it was close. I won by one kilogram, um, but, and I only just missed out on the gold in the Oceania section um, to a New Zealand guy. Um, he got he only got me by one kilogram, so I was pretty happy with that. Um, getting a silver in the international part, um, and then that qualified me to to represent Australia at the Commonwealth Championships um, that were in Malaysia in the November. So, packed my bags, went over there, and um, the Commonwealth Championships. You know, you've got all the same countries there as the games, but it's not a games. It's just your sport, and so it wasn't the goal. But went over there. And um, I did okay, but I didn't um, I didn't do what I'd hoped. So my last chance to qualify for the games were going to be at the trials back in Australia in, in March on the Gold Coast. Um, so I did really well at the trials, but yeah, I ended up in second reserve position. I'm pretty sure it was. Um, which, yeah, that left me pretty devastated because the 2010 trials, um, I didn't really... I knew I didn't have a chance, but this was all I came back to the sport for was to try and make this one. Mm. Um, yeah, I'd made another campaign for it and come up a bit closer, but still short. So that was a tough one. And, um, yeah, once again, I thought, nah, this is it. I'm getting too old. Um, I'm done with it. So, yeah, that's sort of how that ended in March 2014. Yeah. At and the then, time. And, yeah, so that was a, just a feeling of going from
0: that – like obviously being out, and you would have been so pumped um, to win the nationals there, and then make the, the Commonwealth um, to go to Malaysia for the for those championships there. So it's such a massive high to then a massive low, um, um, just missing out on the on the Commonwealth Games team. Like how, yeah, how did how did you um, sort of get through that sort of time then? Just after that,
4: um, and then
0: in the yeah working, get yourself back up for it to have another crack in 2018?
4: Yeah, so, um, yeah, I'd been, in late 2013, I'd actually ditched training at home and started training at a CrossFit gym um, and coaching some weightlifting there. Um, and it was good to train around other people, but I was still very much on my own with my goals because although they lift weights, none of them were competitive weightlifters. But, it was good to just be around people that get after it all the time and and have that feeling and are very supportive and um but watching them do crossfit in my head I was like you know if this doesn't work out like I'm definitely going off into that because I thought well I could I could be pretty good at that you know weightlifting's a big part of it you know if this doesn't work out I'll give this my all but then I'm going to have a bit of a crack at that so I'd already sort of had little plans in my head to go like I've always got to have something and I knew that that would sort of help, help um, deal with the the devastation of not making that team, um, to to go and try CrossFit. So it was a new little realm that I got involved with, and um yeah it was yeah for a few years I sort of yeah I sort of I played around with CrossFit training for about three years and started coaching a, a young girl in weightlifting and um, yeah so I was um. I was keeping in touch with the weightlifting lift still in that three years, but not anything like what I had been doing. I just sort of played around with it here and there. And I didn't actually lose a lot of strength while I was doing CrossFit. So, you know, I always kept an eye out on the um, up and comers in, in weightlifting in Australia. And I sort of backed myself um, as a chance for the home games in 2018 by the time they rolled around, which was, It was never an intention of mine. I sort of thought, no, I'm done in weightlifting. But, you know, I always get bit back by, um, you know, bit by the bug again. And I don't know. And I got bit by the bug in 2017. I was like, all right, I'm done with CrossFit. I've got two years. The games are in Australia. I'm going to make a run at this again. (laughs) Um, And then, yeah, so I um, kept an eye out, backed myself as a chance. And, yeah, yeah. Got tried to get back into some good form again, and then in twenty seventeen I again qualified for the Australian team to go to the Commonwealth Championships again. Um, but yeah, they were once they were held in the actual venue at the Gold Coast that were going to be the um, venue for the games the following year. Um, so it was a good experience to to get to lift on that platform. But yeah, it was kind of I knew like this is nothing. Like I want to be back here in a few months, so. Um, you know, the the criteria was quite hard for selection for the games that year, but um, I did pretty well at that competition, and I was only, after the Commonwealth Championships, I was ranked second in Australia by three kilograms, so I had to go to the trials again in the December of 2017, and um, they were in Sydney, and it was a pretty stacked field, and my bodyweight category has always been one of the most stacked categories, and you know, I knew, I knew coming second wouldn't get me a ticket. I had to be in first position. Mm. And, yeah, I took a few risks and opened up on heavier weights than I ever had before. And um, I ended up bombing out completely, which is when you miss all three lifts in one of the lifts. And that means you can't get a total and you're just done for the day. And, mm. yeah, and first time in, like, 20 years that had ever happened to me or 17 years at the time. And But, you know, I, I made the decision I was going to get after it and have a good crack because... Second was, you know, first reserve, and I ended up um, ended up in first reserve for the Gold Coast game, so that was even more devastating, I'd have
0: to say. <laughs> so that means, so first reserve means that if someone had, a, I don't know, pulled out, been, got injured or something, you would have been, you would have replaced them, basically.
4: Yeah, so it, it's a bit tricky. Like I said, the qualification criteria changes every quad, but <laughs> for the home games, they said, we're going to take the best lifter from every body weight category. And at the time, I think there was eight men's body weight categories. So they're going to take eight men in Australia, but only one per body weight. So I had to be the number one guy, but being first reserve meant that it only mattered if the guy in my body weight category got injured. Um, I would have filled in for him, but it really sucked to be honest because it meant that I had to still try to keep motivated and continue to train in case just in case but deep down I knew Like I knew that if he got injured, like there's no way there's no way he's, he's going to tell him that he's injured. Like he's like, I know what it's like, like you're always injured as a weightlifter. Like you just are. And unless you're, unless you can't lift the bar up off the ground, you're good as gold and you're not telling anyone. And so I kept training and tried to do all that, but I had my own injuries and I was trying to get treatment. So I'm thinking, what's this for? Like, it's done. And, you know, in the end, I just, yeah, watched watched him lift at the games. I was happy for him, but it was like, you know, I think this really is it now. Like, it's 2018. It's been 18 years. I think that is my last crack at the Com game. So, yeah, that was kind of it then. What is the um, sort of lifespan, I guess, of, of a lifter?
0: Because, like, in running, you know, you can... Um, We can go from, I guess, like a lot of um, the best, like a lot of great runners that, you know, they start off in the sort of 8, 1500, and then quite often as we age, you push the distances out
4: further and further. Um, But yeah, how does it work sort of, I guess, with lifting? Yeah, well, if you think of it, it's kind of the same as what you just mentioned. Like with running, the shorter the event is, the more explosive you need to be. And so all you're really doing is acknowledging that as you get older, you're less explosive and less strong. And so we just don't have the options to change the movements. We still need to do the same movements, but we're just weaker. Mm. So you, you, it's the same sort of thing, except you can keep lifting. Um, you can keep lifting for until you're in your sixties or seventies or whatever, but you do start to lose restriction in your body and you can't do the full movements as fluid and, mm. and all of that. So you do have a window as a competitive athlete and it probably, it depends when you start. It, it's a good thing to start really young, but you're not probably making any senior international teams if you're like oh, I'd, over 34, 35. You know, it, it's been done but by the people that had been lifting since they were a kid and they were just that good that they could still make teams, but Normally, you're probably at your best mid to late 20s, to be honest. So, just your window is basically from whenever you start to maybe 30-ish. And then, you know, I was lucky to go a few years beyond that. And I was still right up near my prime, but I just couldn't really break through anymore. Yeah. So. And what was it like then, that feeling of um, walking out to the bar to
0: perform a lift? Like, how did you um, mentally, I guess, prepare for that sort of, a, that sort of such an explosive um, movement
4: um, at the trials or just whenever I'd compete sort of thing yeah I guess maybe
0: you know like in a big yeah in the trials or in a big competition yeah
4: yeah yeah so look it's it's hard to explain without knowing the movements fully but the snatch is is the more technical of the movements and that's the one that you do first and like I said if you don't if you don't get at least one successful snatch on the board and one successful clean and jerk you can't get a total and the total is how you are placed in a competition Mm. so being more technical you're walking out there and you are concerned because it's more technical and you're super nervous and you know i only have three attempts to make one snatch so you no matter how good you get um it's like with running like no matter how good you get it's always going to hurt you just get faster well it's like weightlifting it's not always going to hurt but um you're you're only going to get better and so you're always going to be starting on weights that you are nervous about that maybe you couldn't even lift it for the last two weeks in training and now you're starting on it and hoping that you don't miss it once kind of thing so you you try and walk out there and and you have to create this little bit of a almost like a little bit of an ego within yourself like yeah i'm going to smash this like everyone's different but I was very aggressive in nature like with myself and you know you have to believe you're gonna do it because the second you doubt it's done like you just got no hope so yeah you'd I'd walk out there and just try and like really get into the zone and just and just attack the weight and then just like just not hold back and if you get it you get it if you miss it well what went wrong kind of thing so yeah
0: you have to walk out pretty confident that you are um, yeah that you're going to hit that lift. Um and then yeah. what would a typical week look like in a heavy block of training um say in the lead up to a major championship.
4: Yeah, so um as I got older um older it looked a little different. Um you know because I couldn't handle quite as much overall volume um but basically sort of the closer to the competition you'd get the more specific um, your training would get. So you'd be doing more the competition specific movements um, instead of some of the other common variations that make up your training. So, you know, three to five times per week, um, you know, maybe from five weeks or four weeks out, um, you could be going above 90% of your one rep max um, in the competition style lifts. Um, so it's not kind of like running cause you just couldn't redline that often and, and recover in and running, but, yeah, you push it really heavy for maximum one rep attempts in training, the closer you get and sort of the further out from a competition you are, you'd actually be doing um, it almost feel like harder work like the intensity would be less, like maybe 75 to 85% loads, but much higher volumes, like um, sets of three repetitions, maybe five repetitions Um, and you'd be training sort of four to five times per week, like um, two to two and a half hour sessions, maybe squatting squatting four or five times per week kind of thing. Mm. So, yeah.
0: So, the closer you get to the championships, the more specific you're going to get um, with the training.
4: Yeah. So, you'd be doing, instead of doing like sets of five on the back squat, you might be doing just a heavy one rep and everything is like maximum intensity. So, obviously, the less reps you do, the higher the um, relative load can be to your one rep maximum. So you'd be almost like competing within training, but mm-hmm. maybe 10% or 5% off, which while you're beat down in training and and not um, and, and very fatigued, you know 90% can quite often feel like 100%. So that's mm-hmm. where all the mind games start coming in. You have to back yourself to go, I know this is hard now and it's only 90%, but I'm going to start heavier than this and I'm going to smash it. <laughs> so it's pretty hard. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, and then so in running, like we obviously like to chase down. Well, I mean, so not all that PBs, but we do like to chase them down. Um, and the other day in our runs PB virtual tent chat, um, yeah, we did, um, decided that uh, you would be able to pretty much lift us all up at once um, with some of your PBs. So what were
4: your, your lifting PBs? Yeah, so... Um, yeah, so in the in the competition style lifts, which at the end of the day, they're the only ones that really matter. Mm. Um, I could, my best snatch was 138 kilograms. Um, that was in training at the AIS and best competition snatch was 136 kilograms. And then um, my best competition clean and jerk, which was my actual PB, was 167 kilograms in the clean and jerk um, at 84 kilo body weight. And then, you know, some training lifts Um, uh, you know, we'd we'd squat a lot to make our lifts better and, yeah, my back squat was 220 kilos when I was at my strongest. Jeez. I think I just
0: squatted... I was just doing a little bit of workout before and I think I squatted about 40 and I was happy with that. nice. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, that is impressive. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I know that, um, yeah, from what I've seen um, in your training... That you really like pushing yourself to to get that best result possible, um, but yeah, do you feel like you you did that and I like got the the best out of yourself in your lifting career?
4: Um, yeah, that's a really tough one, mate. Um, I wish I could say yes, just to put me at ease, but <laughs> there's always a belief that you could sort of do more, which is sort of what kept me coming back year after year. Um, but. You know, I was certainly within a few kilograms of my potential given the fact that, you know, I've always worked sort of way more than your standard 40-hour-a-week job. You know, I tried to balance family life, which is definitely a challenge since, you know, it's quite a selfish sort of endeavour when you're at that level of sport, to be honest. And, you know, um, but no, I, I definitely can't say I got um, 100% out of myself um, just due to some poorly timed injuries and things like that unfortunately. Yep. Yep. No,
0: that's nice. Okay. And then you obviously you do a bit of coaching um, yourself with, with um, some lifters and I'm assuming, yeah, you'd be able to um, teach them some of the learnings that you've and some of the mistakes that you've had to make sure that they don't do, do the same.
4: Yeah. hundred percent, mate. Like I look at, I look at being coaches so much more than just, I'll oh, lift this weight, do this, do that. Like, you know, it's like, it's like you coaching me with running, you know, it, it becomes more than just the workout. It's how you're feeling, all mm. that stuff. And I try and give my athletes the, the shortcut to success. Like I, I instill in them that they, they need to put in the work and be patient, but I'm not going to make them do stuff that I did that I regret because that's just stupid. Like you're going to teach them like you would with your, your kids. Like, well, why would you do that mistake? I've already done it. Don't do that. But sometimes they have to learn on their own, I guess.
0: <laughs> and then speaking of the, the running, you caught the running bug um, after that sort of 20 years of, of high-end lifting. Um, now, in mid-March this year, I was actually up in Tamworth for uh, one of my niece's weddings um, when a very interesting message came through to run, PB, run to PB. Um, and, yeah, you were, you were looking for some guidance Um, after you're building your k's up gradually throughout december so after you know sort of a few months i guess um and had entered the o'keefe half marathon as you would never ran that far before and that was what that was why you went to the half marathon not the five or the 10k or anything so yeah firstly what sparked the interest in running
4: yeah, well, as I said, like, it was a little bit doom and gloom at times. Like, when you don't achieve your overall goals in something that's so important to you, it is it is tough. Like, there were good moments there, but, you know, it left a bit of a sour taste in my mouth at times. And, you know, quite simply, I just needed a change. And, and um, I just came to realise that I couldn't do the training that I needed to actually progress my lifting further without getting injured. And so you know, although getting older, lifting the same weights, you know, it's still good to lift the same as you get older because it's harder. I didn't want to compete at that intermediate level. I wanted to either mix it with the best or not at that point. And so it kind of became pretty obvious that um, I just couldn't do what I needed to do to get better. So I I kind of ran away from it quite literally. I was just like, I was coaching it, but, um, and I'm still a coach and, I love coaching, but I wanted to just do something that I could continue to improve on, and um, just sort of be a white belt in again, and mm-hmm. and something that sort of was you know also extremely hard and very measurable. As you know, as you know me pretty well, I geek out over numbers pretty hard. So um, yeah, I sort of picked running, and I started doing park runs with my daughter, um, you know, and yeah, and then I thought, oh, stuff this. I hate waiting until sad days or whatever. I want to run through the week and so I started running a little bit further and well, I found that the, the further I went the more I enjoyed it and the, the endorphins got going and you know at the end of the run when you'd finished I'd actually sort of have the same endorphin rush as I almost would by throwing a big weight overhead. to be honest even though it's so different that's interesting
0: yeah yeah that's awesome that um that's a this, you get that same sort of feeling out of the out of two and I mean like as we said before, it's such it's polar opposites. You're going from um, such a speed-based um, event to an endurance event. They're you know, like they're so different, but you get the same sort of endorphin endorphin feeling. And um, I know that yeah, through our correspondence, I could clearly tell you that you were really keen. And as um, you thought deeply about some of the times that that you wanted to achieve, and like you said, you you wanted to get into the 23 minute um, zone for the 5K and hit sub 50 for 10k and sub two hours for the half um and then yeah within 12 weeks um yeah you've got some amazing results and you got that um just under 24 for the for the 5k and you're so close to the 10k um sub 50 and 50 20 and then the half you knocked out and smashed the two hours in an hour 55 um yeah so that was some awesome awesome early signs there
4: Yeah, no, I was I was really happy with um, my progress over that sort of twelve weeks, and um, yeah, like I knew as a coach for a a sport that um, I needed a coach to sort of help guide me because I was already dealing with some little niggles, and Mm. I just knew I needed to probably be held back more than anything. Like (laughs) I think everyone knows with most things you can you can get programs online and follow them, and they're probably going to get you better, but. I really, I really needed the coach aspect of what you guys offer. Um, it's, it's so little about the program, to be honest. It's more about that communication and just being told, oh, you can do this, or oh, maybe you should hold back today. You belted it out a bit hard yesterday, or whatever. And so, yeah, like it was really good that twelve weeks and to sort of um, beat what I wanted to do on the five k, and then um, have that half marathon it sort of um, like it sort of helped me through the whole COVID thing, having these little goals to target because I, I wasn't um, – I didn't have to stop going to the gym, although my weightlifting team and everything had been put on hold and, and all that. Like, it was something I could still do. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that 12 weeks was great. And I had no doubt I was going to sign straight back up for another program. It was more just, oh, what do I want to target now? And because I liked the longer stuff, it went more from being – the 10K program to like, all right, well, if I tell Matty I want to do the half, then he's going to give me more Ks. So I'll do that one. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And so, yeah, you, we, um,
0: we sort of came up with a goal of, a, of an hour 50 for the half. Um, yeah. With, with 12 weeks of 12 weeks of training and, and on the weekend you did it and you hit one forty nine twenty five. an average five eleven. So you, you had 30, 35 seconds there to spare. Um, yeah. So that was, yeah, congrats on that run. Um that was amazing. I was I was bloody pumped when I saw that one come through. Um yeah, so if you want to talk us
4: through through the run and, and how you attacked it. Yeah, mate. So before all these big time trials and that sort of thing, like as I said, I am a numbers guy and and I know that um yeah, I know that I, I'm better at finishing um finishing strong sort of thing. Um if I set myself up right. So I tend to negative split my most successful runs. So I figured out all the splits that I needed and wrote down on my arm in Nico, like every 5K split, because I knew that once I was in the hurt locker, I wouldn't be able to add one and one. So I wrote down the 5K splits and then kept an eye on them as I was going. And I knew I needed to average 513. So I started just using that number to sort of play games in my head. Every time a split would come up, whether I was up, five seconds or down 10 or whatever. And, um, you know, I I knew I could hold 513s for sort of 10K easily um, as I'd done 502s for 10K. And that was before I beat my 5K by a minute with um, a twenty two fifty one a few weeks out from from this halftime trial. So, you know, but I I had doubts that I could hold 513 for the whole 21.1 just because... Yeah, it just seems so much further. And I just, I hadn't done anything that specific. I, I, I didn't really know. So mm. I broke it down into quarters because, you know, as we spoke about, um, I decided to do an out and back twice and um, break it down into quarters. And um, I was doing it. Yeah, I was doing a four lap course. And, and, you know, I knew I was good at pushing hard mentally once I got past halfway. So I just had to get there in okay shape. Um so between I think it was between about six k and eleven k I was starting to feel the pinch a little bit, trying to hold that sort of five eleven uh five thirteen split sorry, um so I let it sort of drop off slightly, knowing that I could wind it back if I didn't feel too bad, but I wasn't feeling great, and I knew you kept saying you, you want to get um, ready to race from halfway, and I was thinking, oh, pretty over this already to be honest, <laughs> and so i um. I dropped down, I think I was about 14 seconds over at the 11K mark. I sort of had a look at my splits the other day after it was all done. And, yeah, I think I let it go about 14 seconds at the most over. But then as soon as I hit the halfway point thereabouts and turned around for lap three, it just came in my head. You said, you've got to get ready to race. And although I thought I was feeling pretty bad, I just started running harder. And then, um, yeah, I, I ended up dropping like a 502K. And then, like, some 505s and 508s sort of between that sort of 12 to 15, 16K mark. And I ended up – I know at 13K, I was doing the math in my head and looking at the splits and all that. And I know I just got on target pace at the 13K mark. And, um, yeah, so I was like, okay, well, I'm there. I've just got to hang on. Um, And then, yeah, with about 5K to go, I was – you know, really hurting. And my heart rate had been over 180 for well over an hour at that point. And, um, you know, I knew I was still on target pace. So I just said to myself, all right, you got one lap to go now, like on the last turnaround. One lap to go. Didn't push myself this hard to fall off at the end. And, you know, I was actually able to drop my fastest K at the very end, which was a um, 459. Yeah. And then yeah, I think I hit about a 194 heart rate heart rate in the process, I think. So... Yeah, emptied the tank definitely. You did, you did.
0: No, you finished off so strong, and I, I had a lot of confidence um, going into, into, um, into the time trial because, uh, like, I'd seen what you'd done, um, and you ran that five so well, um, and hit twenty two fifty one, like nearly a minute p, um, over a minute PB there, um, and yeah, some of the, the sessions that you'd done as well, um, just after that five k is a week later, I'd given you. Um, a, a session where I wanted you to go out just hit 60 minutes easy and then get jump straight into 30 minutes um, picking the pace up and yeah you were and I wanted you to hold around that sort of goal half marathon pace for that 30 minutes and, and you were able to do it and you just you um, yeah you'd said that um, during that 60 minutes you're a bit worried about you know this is like this isn't feeling that easy. Uh, I think you were, you're were going probably around 5 five forty ish average, I think it might have been. Um and you were just saying that it didn't feel that easy, but as soon as you got into a good rhythm, um got into a bit of a groove, at sort of gold gold pace that you you were able to hold that 30 minute pickup, um that was off the back of a forty five k week and um, so yeah, you didn't go into it like fresh or anything. I was like, no I've got a lot of confidence here. Um, yeah, and then yeah to see see the time pop up it was um yeah, I was stoked. <laughs> um, and yeah. I was wondering was there any sessions that sort of gave you I guess a bit of confidence to attack the half.
4: yeah it's funny you mentioned that one because that uh that's definitely like a standout to me just because as I said in weightlifting closer you get more specific you get and so I was really looking like I couldn't compare any of the like hard 20 minute fart legs or anything I was like (laughs) no matter how good they feel like they're nothing like what I'm about to do so like I couldn't in my head compare so that one I was like all right this is the test here this is the one and so we ended up getting out later in the Avo on that run I did it with a mate of mine that sort of only just gotten back into running and it was a little bit warmer like not hot but I'm used to running in like really cold temperatures in the morning and yeah we did 60 minutes easy and might have been a touch faster than my normal easy pace but we weren't feeling great but I was able to step it up and as you said I ran that 30 minutes at that goal pace but Instead of you, like that's why I got a coach because you looked at that and you said, oh, I'm confident he's good for it. But I was like, I was feeling it hard and I was like, there is no way I can hold that pace for like four times that long. Like I just, yeah, I I don't know. Like, yeah, you saw the the confidence in that, but I didn't. I almost thought like, oh, this is going to be rough. Like if I have to start out at that and, and hold it. But, you know, I was telling myself, all right, I've got to freshen up still. Mm. You know, and I know that in weightlifting or running or whatever, when it comes time to to test yourself, like I sort of get into that zone a few days out of knowing, and it's funny because I'm such a novice runner, but if I know I'm gonna push for something, like I really focus on it because I know I'm gonna give it everything. and yeah, I, like I didn't sleep well the night before because I was like like I just kept dreaming that I was like running with concrete on my feet and I'm like, oh, this is crap like. <laughs> you know, I just wanted it over with but yeah so those sessions it was good to do them but I was still I was so doubtful as I said but yeah, I'm glad that you were confident in them yeah no I was like um,
0: and I think the other thing that I was confident about was you did say it was a lot warmer I know you know it's been it's been some um, really chilly days and we haven't had that sort of much heat at all and that climatization for the heat takes a bit of time um, and so the conditions weren't perfect um, yeah you're just coming back off that um, off the 5k um, which i know like when you hit a hit a good pb it's sometimes hard you know you sort of you're on a, on a big high and sometimes then you can you can crash a little bit um, and then yeah. you, you'd also hit a good session in between there as well I was like oh if you can do that um, off 60 minutes and because um, it it is going to tie you out a bit like that 60 minutes into that 30 minute pickup like yeah, it's not it's not that easy a run to do. Um, yeah, mm. and, you, and you even average a bit quicker than um, the goal pace. Like, yeah, I reckon backing it off a few seconds and, and freshening up, um, I've got a lot of confidence yeah. that you can do it.
4: Yeah, you're right. I think, I think the faster you go, and definitely for guys like yourself that are running, like, low threes for your events and stuff, which I just find crazy, but the faster you go, like, literally every second per K faster, I think does make a big difference. and um, But it's just so easy to stuff it up when your capacity just isn't that great and your legs can run much faster than what your, your cardio output can do and it's too easy to sort of um, outrun your capacity, if that makes sense. And so I went, like you said, I did come in under those sort of paces for that 30-minute block, but I wasn't thinking, oh, you know, like your five seconds average – per K fast, I was like, oh, that was goal half pace, but like you said, it was a bit faster, and yeah, I, I was a bit tired from the 60 minutes, but got it done, like, it would have been worse if I couldn't even get through it, that would have been real bad, so at least I got through yeah. it.
0: right well, I had to readjust the goal if that if had that happened, yep.
4: Yeah. Um, so yeah, have you found that there's any
0: learnings from your lifting days that you've brought across to, to your running?
4: Yeah, um, oh, yeah, I'd say that, you know, as different as the two sports are, I've always sort of described weightlifting training to my athletes that I coach as, as more of a power sport, but with like a marathon process. Um, so, you know, no one session um, is going to make you a great weightlifter. And, you know, it's the years and years of sustained training that sort of gets you there in the long run. And, you know, running's definitely seems the same um, in that regard. So... I've kind of already got the discipline um, from weightlifting to be patient and stay the course that I think a lot of people struggle to do that just sort of want things now and, and do that. And sometimes I, I want things quicker than they come. But mm. I, I feel like I am pretty good at that discipline of just knowing, like, all right, hold back. Or, you know, I'd, I'd rather see like a minute improvement for Three months in a row than knocking three minutes off in one month, but then where am I in three months, kind of thing? So, yeah, I see that similarity, kind of thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, that's a and it's a, a really valuable lesson, um, I guess both for lifting and running and probably any sport that, yeah, you, you can't expect results like straight away. You do have to be patient, and the more patient you can be, um, a lot of the time, the better it's going to be because, yeah, like you say, if you go out and improve, um, off a month, like you know, in a great way, then in three months you might be completely broken, not be able to run for another you know six months or something. Um, so yeah, that's such yeah. A, a really good lesson um, to have have for both of those.
4: Yeah, that's right. Yep.
0: Uh, and now, um, yeah, obviously, as I mentioned, as um, yeah I mentioned before, that you do a lot of um, coaching in the weightlifting space, and yeah, I'd be kind of interested to know to to flip it on the other on the other um, sort of side and see what you. Um, what sort of tips you would give runners from a weightlifter's perspective?
4: Yeah, look, as you said, you know, I am a weightlifting coach and that's my jam. So, and that's why I got you on board to coach me, Maddie. So, you know, I'm a very novice runner. So I don't want to be, I don't want to be that guy that tells people that what they're doing is, you know, incorrect, that they clearly have much more experience in than myself. But, You know, I have noticed though that you know in running and and many other bodyweight sports that it seems like athletes um, are a little afraid to be a bit heavier sometimes, or that if they lift a fraction heavier weights in the gym, that they're just all of a sudden going to get huge. You know, which it's just not the case. And you know, I like to think of it this way. You know, running is a bodyweight sport where you carry yourself through space and time. And you know, if a couple of if you're a couple of kilograms heavier, but you're far stronger, then there's no reason that you shouldn't be able to still be fast and efficient. Mm. And so, you know, obviously at the elite level, it's a bit different and it's pretty important to be slight framed and quite light, you know, as you just need to look at the, the elite um, guys and girls there. But at the more intermediate sort of levels, I would argue that, you know, strength training would make you more resistant to injury. You know, if done correctly, as with the compound movements like squatting and deadlifting, you know, if you lift quite heavy, your bones will adapt to be more dense. So surely that has to help um, fight against things like like stress fractures and things like that. So um, I definitely think, um, though, that distance runners in general um, may be a little, little hesitant to actually sort of lift heavy Um, maybe being concerned about sort of injury or just not actually enjoying the strength training but you know I'd argue that there isn't much point at all to strength training if you aren't actually giving your body the stimulus it needs to get stronger by lifting heavier weights over time in those compound movements so you know if, if you are concerned about technical movements in strength training like you know power cleans or deep squats things like that then you know, you should just do what I, what I've done and hire someone in that field. Um, Yeah. Like what I've done with running um, that can guide you through the process. So that's, yeah, that's one thing. Um, And yeah, there's one other thing that I think about sometimes, Um, you know, I send you a lot of messages. I think a lot about these sort of things, but you know, I think a lot, I think a lot about like the minimum effective dose um, in all sports and obviously runners love running and so I can see why it's easy to get sort of on the mileage bandwagon give yourself an excuse to run more and it's easy to think that more is surely better but you know I learned later in weightlifting um, in my weightlifting career that I was actually able to maintain sort of my high level with much less training so Mm -hmm. I would say if you're an avid runner and you know that you have the more is better mentality that Um, I would challenge you to think of it as, you know, what's the least I can do and still improve. Because if you're doing super high mileage um, and getting injured or simply just not getting better, um, then where can you go from there? Like no one wants to decrease training when they're not um, improving because it seems sort of counterintuitive to do that. So um, you can only run so much and still recover. So, if you take the long, slow approach and allow yourself some room to expand, then when improvements stop or slow down, you can add more mileage or more intensity and then see if that helps you get better. So that that's yeah, a couple of the things that I think about. Yeah,
0: I like it, yeah, because oh, okay. yeah, I know you, you do think a lot, Um, like you contemplate a lot about the sports and you've asked a, a, some some really good questions. Um, that I've been put to, to the run to PB coaches as well and um, yeah I think those couple of points there are, are really valuable and I mean it's something that I know for myself I've been trying to um, well, um, bought a bought a Smith machine for the for the garage and um, a leg press and things like that to, to try to um, yeah use that sort of strength training a lot more especially I think maybe even like getting older um, that strength training even becomes more important is that something you That you see as well
4: yeah well with bone density and that as i said if you lift heavier weights your bones adapt to become more dense so think about it i think there's been um studies out there that have basically proven that strength training is actually healthier when it comes to who lives longer like an endurance athlete or a strength athlete because if you hold more muscle for longer and more dense bones then I think that's actually much healthier for you as you age. So given the fact that runners are pounding on their bones and their joints all the time, I can't see why it would be a bad thing to to be stronger. And, you know, you don't have to compete in a different sport or test yourself like I am with running. But, you know, I I just don't see the point in going and doing a couple of sort of mindless dumbbell curls for your biceps. Like that's not going to load your... um, bones in the way that I'm talking I'm talking about doing like heavy heavy squats and deadlifts and power-based movements to work on those fast twitch fibers and things like that but you know it is hard because when you love a sport you don't really want to do anything other than that sport but I think it could help sustain you for longer as you get older so yeah
0: yeah no that's awesome that's some some really good tips um and yeah what what's next on on the agenda for you
4: Yeah. So I've been thinking a bit about this, obviously. So, you know, I'm still loving the running, loving all the improvements. Um, So I want to sort of keep building the aerobic system because obviously like it needs years and years to, to build. So um, I want to improve all my times, you know, basically up to about that half marathon distance, but I reckon I want to have a few less structured weeks just over the next few weeks and just have, have a bit of fun and, test where I'm at over some of the shorter stuff and um, because I haven't really done anything short and um, I feel like you know maybe testing out a 400 meter you know a 1k maybe a mile and you know maybe even like a 3k because given my background in strength power sports like I'm actually way um, more likely to be better at that stuff but it's just not sort of the path I went down but yeah, sort of. I'm I'm just interested to try that stuff before getting back onto onto some proper programming and and chasing down that 10k PB that I know I can smash now and and do that sort of thing. But yeah, I see you guys running three minute Ks on longer runs, and that I think can I even do that for one K? And I don't know, but like I want to know now. So I just want to build out some short stuff and just see where I where I'm at. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And I think that even having um... Exposing the body
0: to that that shorter stuff will actually help with your with your 10k or 5k, 10k, half marathon as well. So I think it's a, a really good good idea to go back um, to some of that shorter stuff, and then um, yeah, a bit later on go going into have a crack at some a, a 10k PB. I reckon that yeah, you'd be able to smash that one.
4: Yeah, you know, I'll, yeah, like I said, I look at it as a long long road, and the more yeah. I can chip away at it, the better. But Yeah, no, I just want to to keep it a bit fun and not so mundane right now. I just got to go a bit free with it for a bit, but then yeah, I'll lock it down again soon. I reckon. Perfect, awesome. Well, yeah, um, I know I've taken up a lot of your
0: time there, Troy. Um, but so appreciative of it. Um, and all the um, all your stories and and the insides that from from the weightlifting perspective and yeah, your debrief on the race and I reckon the listeners will get a lot. A lot out of it. And yeah, yeah, very very grateful for um for you jumping on.
4: Uh, no, nah, mate, I'm I'm really grateful for the opportunity to be on my first podcast and it's not even a weightlifting one. So yeah. thanks so much <laughs> for having me. Oh uh, yeah. It'll be yeah, you might get a few
0: weightlifters uh lifters thinking, What what's what's going on here? <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> awesome, mate. Well you um enjoy the rest of the day and yeah, congratulations on the um on the half marathon again on the weekend and yeah, we'll chat to you soon.
4: Thanks heaps, Matty. See you, mate. Okay. See you, mate.
1: That was a fantastic interview there, Maddie. It was uh, great to hear from Troy. Yeah, really interesting stuff he had to talk about there with the parallels between, um, you know, obviously weightlifting and, and now running. So, um, yeah, it's um, yeah, great work from you two on the interview. Yeah, thanks, mate. It's awesome catching up with Troy and speaking about um,
0: catching up with people. We also caught up with uh, Run to PB coach Steph. Um, yeah, just to see how
1: she's going up in uh, sunny Queensland. Yeah, so we were just um, we were chatting to Steph yesterday, and we were talking about the last time was on. Uh, I think it was episode three. We had her on as the interview, introducing her as one of our coaches. And yeah, it was uh, yeah, life was a little bit different for Steph and everyone else. And now she's up in sunny Queensland working. So. Yeah, it was a great. Great to catch up with Steph. She's been doing some pretty epic adventures with some some training and some races as well. Yeah, she is looking forward
0: to um, yeah, cool. Um hitting the hundred mile race next year. So yeah, I think she's uh finding the um the conditions up there um, suited to um, yeah that that race that she's going to hit next year. So yeah, let's um let's hear from her. Today we're joined by Steph Austin, Run to PB Coach, and absolute trail boss. Steph, you were on the Better With the Running uh, podcast all the way back in episode three, and it's damn great to have you back
4: on.
5: Well, um, hi guys, <laughs> I'm um, yeah delighted to be back on. Um, I love listening to the podcast, so yes, yeah, so I love to um hear how everyone's going. So it's so good to be um yeah to be asked back to have another chat again.
1: <laughs> yeah, it is great to have you back, Steph, and I think we're talking about back that in a. Episode three was like, I think it was in April or something. So, yeah, um, I think we just wanted to get you back on and have a bit of an update. And obviously, some pretty, um, a, a fair bit's changed <laughs> since then the, over previous months. So, um, yeah, and, and you're actually now based up in Queensland for work, you were just saying. you have actually headed up up north.
5: Yeah, I am. I'm up here for four months on a locum job with my um, working as a physio. So I'm just in an aged care um home up here. So yeah, change of scenery, change of um, work environment. Um, it's one of the only ways you could really travel at the moment with um, the virus and everything. So I got across the border just before they shut it. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm up here till, yeah, around about December. So I'm up in Atherton, which is um, in the Tablelands area just out of Cairns. And it's, I would definitely recommend it as a place to, um as a, especially as a runner or someone who likes the outdoors to, um, to go visit because the, there's an abundance of hikes and waterfalls and, just places to yeah. go and i haven't been eaten by anything yet so <laughs> <laughs> all is looking good <laughs> i was gonna hey, so, we-
1: so i was gonna say <laughs> i've um i've just been yeah stalking your instagram feed <laughs> and being quite jealous seeing all the different locations you've been able to get to and and uh some pretty epic um yeah, epic training adventures and some races so you've been able to snag a few crowns up there as well
5: <laughs> I am um, yeah, I pretty much choose every weekend. I go, I wanna go somewhere pretty that I haven't been before. <laughs> so I just Google like different hikes in the area and then I try to plot somewhere that like sometimes they're runnable, sometimes they're really not runnable. <laughs> but um it's um it's I pretty much try to make the most of the weekends. I I feel so lucky, like I really feel for you guys down in Victoria who can't get out of that 5k bubble at the moment but um certainly when you can I think like my little resolution when I came here was just to make every weekend an adventure and um yeah you certainly appreciate it when you can so yep yeah, I'll put that when they open that Queensland border I would definitely recommend coming up north <laughs>
2: Now, on,
0: on one of those adventures you are. Uh, you actually took out um, the chockies in, in a race for. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was outright win as well from Coranda to Port Douglas Ultra. How um, and it, yeah, I'm pretty sure it nearly broke Strava when you uploaded it. So um, how <laughs> about the race?
5: Oh, oh again, yeah, so lucky to be able to race. Um, it was actually really perfect for. So next year I plan to go over to America and do Western States. Still, um, my entry was deferred to next year. Um, so it was actually a really good training run because it was a point to point, very runnable course. So it really suited me. It was about sixty five kilometers. Um, so it was um, yeah, I like a runnable course rather than too much hiking and. It was really gorgeous, the um the whole thing, except po- one, the worst bit was at the end, you had to sort of navigate through Port Douglas, which probably sounds nice, but when you're running, is really not that exciting. You'd much rather run in the forest. <laughs> um, But, yeah, I think the fellas just started a bit fast and got a bit anxious with the girl around. So I think <laughs> they burnt their bikies a bit early. <laughs> um, nice. But, no, I was really stoked with how that run went, and it was, yeah, good signs, again, for... I don't know how I'm going to do another 100 kilometers on top of that, but I think it's good signs that I'm heading in the right direction. You didn't have to
0: uh, jump any crocodiles or anything?
5: No, we did finish running four kilometers on the beach, but I saw no crocodiles. But yeah, I am actually take, more... Yeah, did you take yeah. off <laughs> Yeah, Yeah, thank God this, um, the sand was firm. I'm actually more concerned next weekend they've got the Cairns Half man on up here. And I'm actually entered in a team, and I am doing the run leg, but I'm very stupid. And I've also said I'll do the swim leg, which is in the ocean with the sharks and the crocodiles.
1: Oh wow!
5: Um, I'm cram training at the moment. Um, I'm not a swimmer at all, like, but um, yeah. I think the motivation of not being eaten will hopefully, yeah. I just want to run a fast half marathon, and I thought that doing it in a was a good idea. I was just a bit silly that I also said. Oh yeah, I can swim, I'll do the swim leg. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, hopefully I live to tell the tale and I get to run a fast half marathon too.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome, Stefan. Um I oh, just um just looking at your co your your athletes that you have in your your coaching group and they're all over Australia. And I guess we sort of touched on about the changing of the the times here and particularly Maddie and uh, myself are based down here in Melbourne that You've got quite a few athletes down in Victoria. What's been your message, I guess, to, to athletes all around Australia that have been um, forced, you know, not not having the opportunity to race and being restricted with training?
5: Yeah, it's it has been really tough for them. Um, the biggest thing, obviously, is changing the, the long run because I think that most of my athletes, most of the runs of the week weren't longer than that anyway. I think the biggest thing was being disappointed when... They would go oh an event might be on and then it would be cancelled or an event might be on and then it'd be postponed and i guess my biggest message was pretend that there's not going to be that you know there's no no events you know there's, there's we've just got to run for the love of running and we want to do sessions and training that like builds us up not as only as an athlete but as a person too like we shouldn't be flogging ourselves with our training we should be going, oh, I get to run for an hour and I'm so happy to be out there doing something. Like, don't stress about your time that you're doing. Don't like, you know, we can focus on um, a bit more on speed because that's, you know, for an hour, you can still do like a pretty good speed workout during that time. But yeah, really just taking the pressure off with training and be like, you know, running is going to be the thing that keeps you like sane during this time so let's try to make it a positive stress um not a negative stress but I think that was the um I guess the other big thing is stress is stress regardless of if it comes from of running or from work or from life and the homeschooling and all the other stuff that has to be happening at the moment so just trying to keep um a lid on all those things and I, I'd send out my weekly emails and one of them was like, "What self-care things do you need to do each um, each week to make sure that you know you're filling up your cup still?" And um, the other one was just about sleep. Was just you know, mm-hmm. what kind of sleep habits do you have, or maybe just even just to reflect on those. And is there anything you could do to make your sleep and then your recovery and hopefully your stress a little bit better? So they've sort of been my messages, especially to those in the most severe lockdowns.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Like clearly taking that holistic approach of it's not just a, a training program. You know, there's so many other factors that um, that can impact um, yeah the athletes running, obviously. And yeah, that's awesome that, that you've um that you've done that and, and taken the care obviously in um in following up with all that.
5: Yeah, it's it is I feel really bad though, because I'm very lucky that I'm not in that it's very much it's much easier I understand to say it rather than have to live through it and I'm very fortunate where I am at the moment that I don't have those restrictions on me but I just remember I think it's like being injured like when you're injured you've got so many restrictions on what you can do but you've just got to focus on what you can do and what makes you feel good and that was sort of the advice I've tried to um give across to everyone I know this time last year I was recovering from yeah a broken pelvis and year before it was a broken foot (laughs) so like we all go through these little patches but what can we do to get through these patches so that when we are free to move again and move around and travel a bit more and races open up that our body and our mind are good to go again.
0: (laughs) Yeah it's a great way of looking at it Steph I reckon. Now Steph we um, actually got some questions come through (laughs) in our socials and um yeah, very thankful for, for those people that took the time to write in and yeah, just quick fire off a, a few of these questions for you, if that's okay.
5: That sounds good to me.
0: <laughs> so the first one, um, what is your training program looking like with the lack of races?
5: Ah, So I'm pretty much my big goal at the moment with no races in like no like big races in the next little while is to work on my speed, especially over 5k. So I try to do on like Tuesdays, Thursdays and Saturday mornings, do like a faster, shorter session. So like this morning I did 10 400s and on what day was it, Tuesday I must have done <clears throat> a 2K, a 3K and a 2K, just all trying to yeah, focus on being quick. Um, and I do a similar session on a Saturday. Sorry, I've got to clear my throat again. <clears> throat> um, but yeah, so they're my um, speed focus. Then on the weekends I just go. Apart from my Saturday morning when I go fast, I then go adventure. So I pretty much just go. Where's a nice place I can go and run around? I know last Friday I actually saw platypus in the wild for the first time because I went running somewhere that meant how okay. platypus and they did. <laughs> so I just, um, yeah. And all my those runs are really easy and relaxed. And there's a couple of people in. They've got a group of people, the Red Earth Runners, and. They're telling me different places, oh, you know, you should go to this spot or this spot. So I'm trying to like make the effort to do as much as I can because I'm up here such a short amount of time. But yeah, pretty much focus on speed three days a week and then the rest of the time just adventuring around.
1: <laughs> awesome. hey, we had another question around and it's probably probably um goes back to your race earlier that you were talking about and And how your training, how your racing and nutrition strategy has evolved uh, over the years and particularly, um, yeah, your your ultras that you've been in in the past few years. um, Have you changed much of your strategy in that sense?
5: Um, Yeah, so when I initially, um, like, started running and especially going longer, it was a lot about, I'd come from sort of like a a triathlon-like background where they use the gels and lots of those I guess the the fake food I call it, mm. um and I really transitioned to just having a lot more like real food, especially the longer you go, the more like um the longer you're out there, and the more that you need know, i I try to focus a bit more on having um yeah something more substantial, so I remember my black canyon potatoes at all the aid station was amazing, <laughs> so that was a really good go to in this event, and I think it will probably be of the future if you had to carry pretty much all your own food the whole way because they they it's really because of covid they were just like oh no you're not really like we're not going to really have aid stations or anything like that so I had lots of <laughs> of these because I can't have gluten so I just had these um um what's it called like gluten-free um usually bars and these fruit sticks <laughs> and that's what I had the whole way and that would work really well so I think the muesli um, bar had nuts in it. I think it's important to have something with some fats in it because you are going longer and you just don't want to be burning through all your sugars really quick. But then it's also nice to have a bit of a pick me up. And that was what the fruit stick was for. And it's a bit easier to eat and less fibrous than like have, carrying like five bananas with you. <laughs> um, so yeah, I've just gone to a lot more real food um, and that's probably the biggest thing. Um, leading up to the race too, I just, I just, I eat pretty, I'm pretty plain when I eat normally, but I just eat really um, super plain foods in like the, I always think it's about the two to three days before that you've got to start to watch what you eat. So like you do have a little bit less fiber, making sure that you're having just lots of really plain, like plain rice, plain, you know, like plain chicken and stuff like that, that's going to sit really in your stomach, like not um, causing any stomach upsets. Um, And then, yeah, and I always, I don't, carb load like I try to eat normally the day before and then during the race is when I take on a lot of the calories like as you burn them so I guess the only thing I'll do differently going into western states is I will try to become I don't want to use the word fat adapted but I think I will have to because you're out there for like 20 hours um, to get used to having other like sources of fuel and having stuff that's more like fat burning so I think I'll probably try like start to tweak what i'm eating like probably i'm going to work with a nutritionist probably from i know february to make sure that when i try and do 100 miles that my body is um is ready for that kind of challenge so either we are continuing work in progress going forward as well
1: (laughs) yeah it's awesome like um yeah obviously if you're out there
0: for 20 hours you're going to have to be consuming a fair bit of food that you're going to be eating you want it to be able to sit well you don't want to be yeah, 20 hours of, um, yeah, the, the stomach churning over. So obviously,
5: yeah. Oh. And I think it's awesome. inevitable that you feel sick event like sometime and you can't stomach food. So it's sort of like, what do you do to like delay that as long as possible and, and maximize the the good window so that the bad window is little?
0: <laughs> Absolutely. And now, um, yeah, just the last question we've got here with your programs um do you like to incorporate any walk running into into the programs yeah that you set for your athletes
5: yeah definitely for the um the ultras especially um those who are looking to do a 100k and 100 mile events especially if it's their first event um because there's so many courses like ultra trail australia is a great example where there's i think there's like five to six thousand stairs and you definitely do not run up any stairs like at all during the race like you hike up these so becoming a good hiker not a walker a hiker is um is is a really big strength of yours and i always think it's about maximizing your slowest kilometer rather than your fastest kilometer so if you're if you can power walk like or walk run um a really tricky section and average 10 minute kilometers that's much better than you know running a bit at the start doing a four minute kilometer but then blowing up and doing a 20 or 30 minute kilometer later on so I really like to integrate um the walk running whether it be two minute run 30 second walk or four minute run one minute walk I have quite a few different varieties that I like to incorporate into people's programs um I actually have a really good friend from the Sapphire Coast her name's Tammy Um, shout out to Tammy Um, she actually broke four hours um, at the Gold Coast Marathon a year ago using the two minute run 30 second walk method which I thought was absolutely amazing which was a big PB for her too Um, and the whole time she just told herself she only had to run for two minutes and that was a really nice achievable way especially at the end when it got really hard so I've definitely seen the strength of that kind of program, and from an injury prevention point of view, it's awesome as well. So it's something I definitely try to incorporate into, especially those yeah, going long the first time.
1: That's fantastic. I think they're, they're um, it's great advice for um, you know, for athletes in that boat to kind of consider that. And, and under your training guidance, uh, yeah, that seems to be really working for your athletes.
5: Yeah, the only trick is, the, I feel a bit sorry for the ones that are doing a bit of running on the treadmill at the moment, because mm-hmm. it's a really hard thing to integrate into that. <laughs> it's definitely more a practical on the outside kind of um regime to try. Mm. But um yeah, and once people get like used to it, sometimes they find it much better than just running continually anyway. So no, it's definitely, a, it's a skill to learn though. <laughs>
0: yeah absolutely no um yeah thanks very much steph for for giving up your time i know you um i think you might be on your lunch break right now and um yeah we're, we're um yeah very thankful thankful for that and um yeah it's great to hear hear from you um and yeah hear some of your wisdom as well and yeah i hope you um hope you're staying safe up in queensland and um yeah keep looking forward to um a few more um strava crashes with uh your, your uploads yeah thank you <laughs> well, just, steph yeah.
1: keep, keep the pictures no,
5: coming no, they're right um,
1: firing us down here
5: <laughs> i'll try to um yeah a lot of tlc chasing waterfalls happening but yeah <laughs> i just my, my biggest anxiety is around this sim next week yeah. <laughs> so if i don't get eaten by crocodiles or <laughs> sharks and don't get stung by things and i get to run quick then yeah i'd love to i'd love to just try, try to get in the future and i really um even though i must tell a quick story my most i'm a bit of a comedy of errors when i go on my adventures so i did the highest peak in queensland which is mount Vidal Frere. And I got that attacked by leeches during it. I was just, I think I nearly needed a blood tension at the end. It was the most (laughs) disgusting and horrible thing that's ever happened to me. (laughs) And uh, at the end, I called my mom and I was like, mom, can I get like poison from (laughs) getting so attacked by leeches? So that's one thing I've learned up here is that lots of things (laughs) will try to bite and eat you and you should always, always be prepared and so yeah. I definitely learned from that, um, from that experience. But yeah, definitely, a, yeah, shout out to all you guys down in Victoria and all over that are in lockdown. That um, you're doing an amazing job. So um, the 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 end it must be in sight, and bring on 2021 and lots of exciting things in the future. And you guys, what you can do down there, just inspires me so much as well. So. Um, yeah, and definitely plan a trip to the Atherton Tablelands when you can yeah. because, we'll, yeah, you won't be disappointed. Just bring lots of bug spray <laughs> for sure.
1: We'll be, uh, yeah, t- 2021 uh trail running camp up there for the Run to Bay crew. Oh, Be Crew. it would be uh, amazing!
5: It's at altitude too, which I'm pretending is is at 900 <laughs> meters. So I'm like, I'm sure there's at least like 0.5% of improvement <laughs> or something. <Nice>. very <laughs> All good. good. Awesome,
3: very Steph. thank you.
4: It.
5: Thank you so much for the chat. See you
0: Thanks. guys. Bye. Now, Zaka, Sammy, earlier in the show, you mentioned the virtual five k, and Brady has been driving some banter um, about trying to get us to go head to head again. So let's let's bring him in. Um, let's bring him on to uh to the call to discuss more about the five k. Brady, welcome to
1: the show.
3: G'day yeah, fellas, how you going? Good to uh, I can see and hear here, which is uh, good for a podcast. What's been happening down your way? G'day Brady, good to have you on again, mate. Thanks, mate. Download numbers are always up when I'm on, aren't they? Is that correct?
1: Uh, yeah, apparently you're a bit of a celebrity um, coming off the back of your, uh, that half, half marathon that was, went absolutely nuts online when you, you banged out a 65-minute half marathon in front of about 6,000 viewers. So yeah, we're, we're always happy to to get on the back of your coattails for downloads.
3: Uh, I was joking by the way. Please don't, <laughs> please don't think I was serious there. <laughs> now nah, it's good to be here boys. Looking forward to talking some um, virtual 5K that we've got going in October, the first two weeks.
0: Yeah, that's it, that's it. Now, but before we go to that Brady, Stewie's 3K run this morning, did you get excited?
3: Oh, I did, Matt. I, um, I had the alarm set for 6 a.m. This is just my normal wake-up time, not because I had to uh, get up and watch Julie. I actually fully forgot that it was on, to be honest, with the plan to be out the door by 6.15. And you two guys being a bit older will know that those 15 minutes are pretty precious to get the body ready to actually hit a half-decent first cave. Um, and then I woke up, and I think, as we all do, which is probably a bit of a bad habit, go straight to social media just to check if anything's happened. And, um, yeah, 7.28. Like, ridiculous. Four seconds. seconds. And And you're comparing that to Craig Mottram, who's, like, you know, the greatest or one of the greatest Australian distance runners of all times. And when Mottram did that, he beat Bikili, who is, you know, the greatest distance runner of all time. So, Mm -hmm. and you take four seconds off over 3K, you're talking half a second of that like that's significant he absolutely murdered that record so um yeah i was up and about and i'm a bit worried because this afternoon archie uh who i talk about a bit on the um inside running podcast we're going over shepherd and the train on the track for the first time in about 12 weeks and i reckon the young fella's going to be pretty motivated and i'm going to be getting absolutely smoked by him this afternoon because he'll be pretty, uh, I think inspired is probably the right word. A lot of people will be inspired doing their workouts the next couple of days, thinking about how impressive Stewie's run was. What do you guys yeah. think? It's
1: it is just an exciting time in athletics. I mean, it's been it's it's obviously been a weird year without racing, but then to get the guys the, you know, the results that are happening overseas, we had Jess Hull, um, you know, get the breakthrough with that 1500 record, and she obviously got the 5K a um, few weeks back. So. I mean, Australian distance running, and despite what's been going on, I mean, heading into Tokyo, it's pretty exciting times for us as a, as a nation in, in terms of what we could potentially um, potentially yield in Tokyo.
3: Yeah. And, like, like if you start, start thinking about Brett Robertson took down the long-standing half marathon record at the start of the year as well, Australian record, he could potentially take down the marathon record as well in a few weeks in London. You could see Sinead Diver or Ali Pashley take down Benita's female marathon record. And um, I still wouldn't like to be Ryan Gregson because I think that men's 1,500-metre record is on probably borrowed time as well with yep. Stewie's latest run and yep. with his, and the 5K from watching as well. So you're right. We could be sitting here, you know, um, December 31st and talking about seven or eight potential Australian records getting broken in a year where there's been limited race opportunities and no Olympics.
0: Yeah, yeah well, Stewie... Will- Within one year, could have the fifteen hundred through to the ten k national records. Like that's incredible to think about. Just in twelve
1: months, it just goes bang.
3: And I, just I think you that, boy. Oh, I sorry, Just, second, say,
1: just back to Stewie's. And I've been. I watched him after um, you sent through the message. I went and watched it, and I was just in awe of his performance. Away, he was so aggressive, and it was just like you know. I, I read. I think it was a tweet going around that when Motstrom ran that. Um, previous time i think he, he won a world cup so mm. you know like this is this is a guy like stewie he's doing it there was no crowds there too you know was limited mm. crowd you
3: imagine having that that
1: buzz in the last lap and these, yeah amazing performance so yeah it's super exciting I,
3: I wonder if the conversation was had because um i'm not sure if you guys have watched some of his previous races and we did a bit of a bonus show with uh brett robertson saying how he's a bit slow off the line and not as aggressive kind of Mm. getting on the pace early on. Um, And I think that's probably cost him. He's given Britson, you know, one or two seconds with kind of 400, 500, 600 meters to go and he's kind of getting up to him but then getting blown away in some of these previous races where he looked like he was straight on the pacemaker, who's one of his training partners, Sean Tobin, who did a great job. I'm not sure if you've seen those splits written down on Twitter today. Mm. And then, um, and then when the pacer dropped, he was just, yeah, firing off 59 <laughs> 60s. Like, yeah. um, and I think the other boys probably owe a bit to him as well. Um, yeah, not sure about the probably getting a bit political here, boys. Probably the wrong <laughs> podcast for it, but the uh, <laughs> team Rosa kit for the winner, the young fella, the Ugandan was it Chip Lemo? What's his name? Yeah, I should know. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. about. So he wears a different Nike kit. He wears oh, okay. the orange one, and because his agents are—is it Rosa who's got probably? Oh, the, okay. He's got yeah. he's got the decorated past. Um, just type yeah. that into any internet forums <laughs> or Twitter or let's run and do your own reading, listeners. But um,
1: yeah, yeah, well, that's why we got you on, mate, for the scoops and all the info that you've got, and uh, you're actually. Also, we had to bring you in because of the banter you've been throwing around about another exciting race <laughs> that's kicking off in uh, October for the Run to PB community, the um, the virtual 5K, mate. And, and what's your take yeah. on it?
3: Listeners, if you think the uh, Rome Diamond League's exciting, wait till I give you some stats about this one. Thanks to New Balance and the running company Yarraville for jumping on board. We, uh, we decided not to do a virtual race at Run to PB early on in the COVID season. Um, the COVID season's gone a bit longer than everyone has thought So we did, like, I guess if we do something to run to PB, we want to probably do it properly. So we've kind of got together a partnership with uh, the running company Yarraville and New Balance. We've got two pairs of New Balance 1080s. I've actually got a pair myself and I could highly recommend those shoes up for grabs for a female and a male who uh, joins the run to PB spring race they were going a virtual race i knew there was a word in there somewhere um so not about winning not about a percentage of the fastest time or anything like that we're just going to pull some names out of the hat from a male and a female category um but interesting things interesting things with athletes start happen where we're going to see some different satellite virtual races happening now that we can exercise in groups of 10 or 20 or 30 or 50 depending on whereabouts in Australia you are. I know um, Josh Harris is gonna organize all the Tassie athletes to try and get together to do there. So it's not gonna be, a, it, you know, it's gonna be a virtual race with all our members, but sometimes people are gonna to be together racing. I'm sure you guys are onto it in Melbourne. Um, I know Bendigo Shepparton um, up in Queensland as well. A few people are gonna to get together to do that. So that's gonna be cool to bring people together to then work on this, um, on this virtual component. And there's also a lot of coaches getting involved. Um, and the big battle that's shaping up at the moment between you two boys is going to be a fascinating one to watch. If you ask me, uh, what, two or three weeks ago, I would have had Mattress at about a dollar ten favourite. <laughs> no offense, Zaka, but I reckon he was tracking a bit better than you with that yeah. that yeah, that low 15-minute time trial. Mm. And um, but now a bit of a niggle, bit of an injury. Not sure if you've spoken about it yet, Matt. Do you wanna give us a bit of a uh, feeling what's going on this is
1: on? news to me as well I've, uh, this is uh, i'm not going to say i'm excited but it's uh it's a bit of a <laughs> bit of a speed bump in the road over there maddie because you were yes. talking the big game about a few weeks ago you were like saying how fit you were and you're double running on the treadmill so what's happened now
3: i reckon yeah. you youtube and stuff zaka it's got him Two yeah <laughs> GoPro injury falling <laughs> over Go a stick Pro. or something <laughs> the game is the an yeah. influencer
0: Changed me um, running technique with the GoPro, I think. Um, yeah, so I, oh, last week um, I'd had a bit of a um, – actually, it was, a, it was a, when I started jumping on the treadmill about six weeks ago, I, Achilles started getting a little bit grumpy. It, was, it wasn't the actual Achilles itself, just the sheath around it got a bit swollen um, and it settled fine. But then, yeah, I think just the uh, with the 5Ks from home and, and I went and saw um, Dane Burway during the week about it. Um, and he sort of suggested that yeah, it's just all the hills um, around the 5k bubble from home and then also when you hit the treadmill, I always put it at one percent gradient, so just constantly going uphill with a lot of the runs has just put a lot of pressure on the Achilles and just yeah um, just inflamed it um, so yeah, I'm just trying to trying to get that inflammation down at the moment i've I've still done a few runs this week, but yeah anytime I try to go a bit quicker it um yeah it sort of starts to swell up again so. I'm just trying to get on top of it and now yeah now (laughs) the virtual 5k race is coming out i'm like damn it bad timing um so yeah see how we go over the next month but i'm hoping that um yeah after after a week or so i might settle and i can get back into it but um yeah we'll we'll see how it goes
3: the two-week window will help you though like being able to do it in that first two weeks of october um it's definitely going to give you a bit of time to get things right i do have some pbs written down here listeners zacker i couldn't even find a track pb for you but you've run 30 25 on the track for 10k so you know half that what are you talking you're talking 15 12 you split it in probably take 30 seconds off we're kind of looking at 14 40 for 5k form matt you're you've gone quicker than 14 54 haven't you that's what i f's got your pb at um,
0: or in a time trial, yes, but never in a, um, never in a race. No. Mm. So I was either so 53 or 54, one of those.
3: Yeah. 54. Stop trying to claim an extra second here. Or the, <laughs> the IAAF doesn't lie. Um, so it's going to be on paper. You guys are going to be pretty close together.
1: Yeah. I, I, I think, uh, and I've been sort of trying to get myself going again in terms of like getting back into this, this, um, now that the restrictions are lifted, being able to push these sessions out a little bit, I think that's been a, a bit of a game changer, obviously, for us in Melbourne is that now the sessions can really start to be ramped up, get that long run going again. The other thing, just on that injury there, Maddie, and I think um, a lot of our, our Melbourne-based athletes are just being having to be careful around step counts because you don't actually walk around. Like, working from home, you're just in your seat the whole time. And I, I just find now what I'm doing is trying to, like even set the alarm every hour and just walk to the letterbox or something just to get moving because usually I have that incidental exercise when I'm in an office environment. But working from home, it's um, yeah, it's a bit of a trap there. So you just yeah, that's something that I'm trying to work on as well as to get keep body activated and keep it warm and moving. You've been logging those on Strava. I haven't seen any, but <laughs> No, now that's the secret training, mate. Was... <laughs> <laughs> Obviously,
3: so yeah, I'm trying the same, isn't it?
0: You're constantly sitting.
3: Sorry, mate. Constantly
0: sitting and um, yeah, everything just sort of shuts down, especially like your glutes and stuff. So yeah, absolutely, it's it is something that you need to factor in. Um, yeah, a lot of a lot of time spent in front of the computer and getting headaches and sore necks and sore backs tight. So yeah, it's it is something that you need to need to uh, be very mindful of.
3: How long, Matt? Until you reckon you're back rolling again?
0: Um, oh, I still like I'll I'll take probably two days off and then see how it is. Like I'm not, it's not that bad. It's just, I know that sometimes these things can, can hang around, but it, mm-hmm. I guess it just depends on how it responds to the rest and um, yeah. And the like icing and inflams and then trying to get the strength back into it. So yeah, it's like, I'm not saying it's, it's, it's something I guess when um, probably if I had a, um, like a big race coming up, you know, you could try to run through it, and it might be alright. But then, obviously, there's not no raises on the cards for quite some time here, other than this the the virtual um, run to be virtual race. Um, yeah. It's a <laughs> so yeah, it's um something that hopefully yeah just responds to rest and and ice and yeah it's um yeah, it's not it's not that bad. It's, it just is a bit of a, a bit of a niggle, I'd say. That but I don't want it to get any worse because I know that. Um yeah, Achilles can blow up if you on if you don't take care of them.
3: Yeah, yeah, one of those ones you want to get it right. Uh yeah. and Zach, will you really ramp things up in the 5K specific kind of training area the next couple of weeks to try and really maximise this maybe advantage? I did have you at two fifty odds, <laughs> and I had mattress at about one sixty. But um, yeah, <laughs> you could go into this the favorite in a couple of weeks' time.
1: Yeah, I just um even yeah, last night I out of um I thought oh, I'll do I'll do the mattress fart leg session just to sort of get under his under his skin a little bit and uh yeah. <laughs> But no, like I'm I'm coming at it because I've sort of been sitting in that 70 to 80, 90k weeks, I actually think it's yeah, I'm in a good spot now to dial in and do some speed and um yeah, I'm excited to do a bit some shorter workouts um and then yeah, sort of focus on that speed. Because I've always come at um, the five k probably from a longer angle, you know, from the coming in off ten um, you k know, half marathon specific stuff. So I'm going to probably tweak things a little bit and try and work on that speed because that's probably what I'm going to need to get down to uh, the Matty's level. I think.
0: Are you um? Are we still going to be in the bubble, the five k bubble, at this um, during this time? I haven't done the I have done the math. Yeah, I'm pretty sure
1: we will be. Yeah, I think so it's going to be. Have you got
0: a course that you um? Like with some tight tight corners and stuff to be you know, GPS friendly
1: or... <laughs> Yeah, I reckon I'll go back I'll go down the Yarra Boulevard. I was actually chatting to Al um and he said he might jump on the bike and um yeah, pace me and uh yeah, sort of have that incentive to yeah, you know, I think just to have someone around you will be um yeah, will help help drive it home. Is that a downhill yeah. course? Yeah, <laughs> point, point to point downhill. <laughs> point to yeah. Point. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah.
3: Zach, would you consider dropping one maybe early in October as a bit of a kind of like boy the cobwebs out race and maybe put mattress a bit on notice, like go out and just maybe drop a 15, 30, yeah. and then use that as a bit of a hit out. And then, because you've got two-week window, 10 days, 12 days later, go maybe yeah. punch another one and try to dip under 15.
1: Yeah, I was thinking I'd actually wait until, like I was going to wait it out till the 13th. Fourteenth to the last day, and see what Maddie's posted, and then that'll give me <laughs> just because I want to have that four week. That really like mm-hmm. I, I've now that I've got a race, and I, it's interesting because I had um we had forty five or so sign up within the hour that we put this up, and I had a few athletes going. Yeah, I'm really keen for this, and mm-hmm. and I'm the same. Like once I've now got this race in my head, although it's a virtual. In the past, I've always been a virtual. I've actually got. In my head, it's like, okay, I'm actually getting ready for a race now. I'll start, you know, maybe have one one beer instead of uh, two at night, and uh, just start to really get into race mode, and maybe start doing the core again, start doing a few of these one percenters, and uh, yeah, now I've got that in my head, uh, I can really yeah switch on. I think. Have you got any alpha flies in the mail? Yeah, I'll be looking at some uh, some super shoes or whatever, you know, anything <laughs> that'll uh, <laughs> get me a bit closer to the to you. I don't know if the Alpha flies will help
3: you for 5K. Maybe stick to those endorphin <laughs> pros, I reckon. That's what it's they're the 5K shoe.
0: I was trying to put him off. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and um I I agree with you. That saved my whole winter having these time trials, virtual races. Like, you know, people that listen to the Inside Run podcast would know that my trainer partner and I have picked one out like every five or six weeks and it just gives you a purpose and yeah. it's funny how you can still rinse yourself. Um because there's no other options to be able to do it in a race. You can still get up for it, still go through that preparation. Um, I know when we're writing people's programs now, it's going to be a bit easier to say, okay, we need that down week leading into it and we need that recovery week afterwards and um, getting stuck in that train, train, train the whole time without races can also be a pretty dangerous spot. So uh, it's going to be interesting. And um, on the coaches' front as well, obviously people that are familiar with Run to PB, we kind of pride ourselves on Having a lot of coaches who are not only experienced, but they've really walked the walk in the running game as well. So looking at a couple of head-to-heads there, fellas. Want to get your opinion? Who's fitter, Andy Buchanan or Josh Harris? I need to call one of them out to say who wants to try and challenge me for the fastest coach.
0: Jeez, that's a tough one. Um, oh, jeez, I don't know how Andy's really been, been tracking. So
1: yeah, i saw he did a strong run. He titled it as like a strong run or something
3: today. Yeah.
0: And it was I soft. just don't know if he's like, in five K five K shape. Like I reckon he's he's a thirteen fifty been... guy though,
3: yeah. that's the thing. Yeah. He doesn't need to be in that good of a shape. And he's on that
1: comeback. So he's, you know, obviously coming off that injury and he's on the rise. And sometimes you find like when you're just coming back through, you can you can blast a couple of them because you don't have so much of the heavy sessions in your <laughs> legs. So what- yeah, yeah do a month
3: him. as well. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So we can ride off Harris. Don't worry about challenging him for anything.
1: No, I just like, Josh is
0: Josh is fit. Don't ride him off. Yeah, oh. okay. He's a yeah. He's a contender as well. Like he he knows how to push himself.
3: True. And then in the girls as well, obviously with Maddie Heiner, um, the Olympian, so Ryan. I got no idea what form Soap's in, and Steph Austin, a big step down from. Um, the ultra stuff that she's been banging out, and then Gemma—like we've got any one of those four girls could run the fastest five k from from a virtual race—and I've got no idea which one I'd be put my money on at this stage. Well,
0: in the chat yesterday, we had with, with Steph that um, would have just heard that um, yeah, she's been concentrating a bit on her speed um, mm. over this time. So for for an ultra run, although she did race a sixty k, sixty plus k race the other day though. So. <laughs> Um, yeah it'll be, it will be interesting to see how, how they go
3: got to be interesting there strength's definitely not her Um, her. well she's got the strength just got to work on the speed
1: what's your what are your thoughts Brady on course selection for a, for a 5k uh, like you've got your famous industrial estate where you bang mm, out some
3: the famous pretty
1: yeah pretty <laughs> g- GPS friendly sessions but uh, how do you go about like if I was to pick a course what would you sort of what would I be looking
3: for? Um, first option, if you got a track, do it on a track and do twelve and a half laps. Not when you watch beeps twelve. Uh, sorry, not when you watch beeps five k. But there are a few tracks as well where this gets interesting, and I think Collingwood's one of them. You boys probably know more about this than me. That has the gates that swing out over lane one, yeah. two, and three. So mm. if you're recommending a track like that, and then someone's going down there, well, going off GPS probably is your best bet and more accurate than, um, you know, if you're doing 12 and a half laps there, you're doing well over 5K because you're going out into lane four every 100 metres to get around those gates.
5: Um, I like better.
3: out, yeah, or hurdle, and that's the other thing if you want to work on your Chase. and chase. Yep. Um, we've got the same problem in and actually. They've got the gates as well. So and I have thought about it a couple of times. I'm like, surely it can't take you that long to dart in and out, but you just lose all your rhythm. And um, a lot depends
0: where the gates are. If they're on a bend, then that's obviously going to hurt but if they're actually on the straights then it's not so yeah. bad because you can kind of just go out wide round a bend and then cut back in cut back um, in
3: still you don't want to be focusing on that when you're doing a 5k no not 12 and a half <laughs> yeah so if you get on a track good um even the one at collingwood there that's is that a 500 meter track Zaka? where collingwood footy mm. club train
1: oh, oh the donut. Yeah. Um, yeah well we call it the donut uh, <laughs> the old olympic park you mean yeah that's yes. That's about five twenty, I think, for a lap or five hundred. Yeah. Um, so, so I'd be doing the
3: maths on that beforehand and knowing how many laps it is, and then maybe measuring that extra bit on the last lap and putting a stick or a piece of paper or whatever can of coke on the side there, yeah. so you know when to stop. Um, otherwise, out and backs, I think, are the best yeah. bet. So, well, park out run and back. Courses.
0: A Few parkrun courses. that park courses. Yeah. Yeah. measured a bit. Yeah. More
3: yeah, yeah. parkrun courses would be good because you'd like to think whoever set the parkrun up measured it. With a wheel, but I don't. Know, I think it probably depends on who your run directors are of your park runs. I know, um, because like some of them come up super short. That obviously have just been set up, and and it's all about participation park run and stuff as well. So um, that's why if you want to want to break the record, you got to go to that one in Adelaide that Riley Cox did and broke uh, Liam Adams's record. I think it was two hundred <laughs> metres short or something. Poor Liam. Um, but yeah, out and backs are good. Straight lines are good. Not yeah. too many turns is good. Um, but at the end of the day, for this run to PB one, like we're not, and that's why it's important for us, I guess, not to have performance as yeah. the number one uh, goal here, because then it's hard work for us too to look through everyone's GPS staff and see who's done dodgy stuff around courses. Or I know, um, yeah, I have another organisation that did one of this and, you know, the person that they ended up giving the prize to was stopping their watch and then restarting it. So they might have yeah. run a 16-minute 5K and broken their PB by four minutes, but they were really out there oh, no. for the 32 minutes and they didn't realise till after the prize was given. So um, at Run to PB here, it's just if you did it, I know there's people are going to do it as a threshy or someone's going to do it as a training run and stuff like that just to be a part mm. of the Run to be PB virtual um, spring 5K, which is good. Um, and really you're getting out of it what you're putting into it like if you're someone out there doing a sketchy loop you're going to be found out when real races come back and you run two minutes slower um, yeah. whereas yeah I think it's just educating people more than anything like in a lot of people from the rec runners might not have known that their gps does muck around a bit on dodgy courses and things like that um, so To try and educate people around this is why we go out and back or this is why we find a measured course and do it x amount of times it's going to be fun, boys. I'm looking forward to listening to the build-up.
1: Yeah, it is. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm excited, mate. I'm uh, ready to punch out another session tomorrow, and uh, yeah, just get get keep chipping away at it. And uh, Maddie, cool. keep us keep us in the loop as to how the Achilles goes. Yeah, we'll do, we'll do. Yeah, what what are you thinking tomorrow, Zaka? I'm going to do a threshold. I'm going to do um yeah something around a sort of 25 minute mark, um, just a bit longer. I did something pretty sharp on Thursday, and then. Yeah, I'll start dialing in again um to um yeah, some couple more sessions next week and just keep putting the uh ramping it up. How long are you going on Sunday then? Yeah, i that's the thing, I've been chatting to a few athletes that are in Melbourne who have had like six weeks of sixty minutes. It's like, Oh, can we now mm-hmm. do two hours? It's like, no, we've gotta build back into it. <laughs> I'm in the same boat. Like as much as I wanna go straight back to doing ninety minutes, I can't. Like I just I need to keep slowly building it up and I'll, I'll probably do 70, 75. Um, and then, yeah, just keep, keep getting that long run back out to where I'd like to get it to.
3: Yeah. yeah. I've just been building people gradually. Like a huge mm. trap people in Melbourne now going, right, I've done one hour for the last eight weeks. I'm going to jump straight into two hours for my Sunday. Yeah. Mm. Like, nah. You need five weeks to get up there. Um, Zach, will you do two workouts a week in this prep? Like you so say, you'll do one kind of threshold threshold tempo workout and then one speed, 5K kind of pace workout?
1: Yeah, it's, two seems to be working with the older body now. And uh, I think that's, yeah, that seems to be where I'm at at the moment. Um, we'll see if, if, if it might be a week where I throw an extra one in. Depends how well Mattie's going. I'll get a bit of feedback that he's... That he's <laughs> That he's really going well, I'll up the ante or vice versa. <laughs> uh, looking forward to this build up, Zaka.
3: A certain risk involved in that as well, though, stepping into the shorter stuff. Like I've just, mm. um, I'm starting that tonight. Actually, what I was referring to before, like a speed block of training, and it's kind of something I'm, I'm probably going to be a bit more cautious to. To doing than what my um, coach sets, so I just feel it takes a few times, especially on the track, to get those. And even being in spikes, I like, haven't been in spikes for probably over twelve months. Like just, you know, only putting the spikes on for the end of the workout. Little things like that, just getting getting the legs ready rather than jumping into straightening that speed work. So, like, there's no good for you going down the track and banging out twelve four hundreds in oh, no. you know sixty eight. Yeah, just dangerous. You want to kill yeah. your Achilles going that. Yeah yeah
0: it's not just that i reckon the fatigue from that lactate buildup that you just haven't had for so long and it can yeah. really break you for a whole week i reckon yeah. like it takes ages sometimes if you're not adjusted to it to um to recover from that and i think it's something that yeah a lot of people um try to go out and bang a hard as session because that's what the things they're gonna oh i've got a 3k or 5k coming up so let's just hit some real fast stuff and then if you turn turn yourself so flat off that um, without even realising it and on the day you might have felt fine um, at those paces but yeah, it's the recovery portion um,
3: yeah. after
0: that which can really set you back like and it's still off. a
3: strength event like you need the strength there like you need to top it up with a bit of speed
1: with that on that hill uh, on that strength bit I did a hill workout last Saturday where I did sort of a tempo in the hills and into a tempo and I'll, I'll start to use a bit more of those hill workouts for me and that seems to get me strong and and even some shorter hills you know 20 30 second hills that'll um that'll be something i'll use in this block as well
3: so i'll ask you now last question before we go um what time wins it what do you think each other you have to run to beat the other person so zaka what time are you got to get yourself in fourteen forty-five shape or five fifteen ten shape or what shape do you think you need to get into to have mattress covered and then i'll ask you the same thing mattress
1: I think I'm going to have to get in a sub 1530 shape and then, you know, anywhere from on the day. Yeah. A low 15 is going to be get the chocolates, I think.
3: Okay. If you can get yourself in 1505 shape, you'll win it.
1: Yeah. I'd I'd be pretty confident if I get myself in 1505 shape, I'll be stoked. Um, But yeah, that'll be about the ballpark.
3: Matt, you agree?
0: Yeah, I reckon um, Zacha can be pretty cheeky with how his actual form is. He talks, he loves talking it down a little bit, and then he, when it gets to race day far out, he can turn it on. Um, so I'm thinking, if I can get to fifteen twenty, I reckon, I reckon I'll be
3: good. You'll be good to beat him.
0: Yeah. What do you reckon, Zacha? Fifteen you twenty. Do. That's what I'm thinking.
3: You blokes are far too nice to each other on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me come on in and drum up a bit of rivalry. You're too <laughs> nice yeah. to each other. Tell Brad Croker to come on next week or something. Yeah. All right, boys. Thanks for the chat. Good luck yeah, for I both your on, preparations. Brady. I look forward to checking and listening into the progress each week. Yeah.
1: Thank you, Jeez, I hope you're both
3: not injured in two weeks' time. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nah, looking forward to it, Brady. Thanks for jumping on. Yeah, you jumping if,
3: not, on Brady. If, if you didn't get your email on your final surge account, every athlete should have got it. Um, check out our social media. Also, check out our private Strava club. There's a couple of our uh, cool posters about when these uh, details are taken. All details about this when this event is taking place. Look forward to seeing as many people as possible blowing a, a quick floor, just participating in a good 5K in October.
1: Awesome! Thanks, Brady. Thanks, Brady. Uh,
3: well,
1: Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Better with Running podcast. That's uh, episode twenty-six. Ticked off, Maddie. Great episode. A lot in that one.
0: Yeah, plenty, plenty, um, plenty of information. Um,
1: yeah, I'm excited to yeah get to this uh, virtual five k race that we've got going. Yeah. Bit of banter there with Brady. It was always good to get him to jump on and uh, help push the numbers up as well with his following it uh, on the podcast land. Yeah, that's
0: right. That's right, mate. And um, yeah, so also want to let people know that uh, later this week we're having a live stream with uh, Jessica Rothwell, national high performance nutrition leader for Athletics Australia, and also former a world class race walker. Um, yeah, so really looking forward to, to um, having having a chat with her as a, as that uh, accredited sports dietitian.
1: Yeah, Maddie, it's going to be a good one. We're going to delve into a, a few um, a few questions about obviously nutrition that a lot of runners have come up across a broad range of topics but yeah it'll be really interesting to hear her take on um on some of these these topics that, that seem to be really uh, come up a lot
0: yep yeah exactly and um speaking about yeah topics if anyone's got any listener questions um they'd like to um like us to cover or chat about or anything or um yeah we would send them through to our socials and yeah we'll um we'll, we'll get back to you
1: Awesome, Matty. And also in the show notes, we're going to have the details about the, we'll have the link to the live stream, but also the run to BB virtual 5K. So, yeah, exciting, uh, exciting times ahead, Matty. And, uh, yeah, you stay safe out there, mate. Yeah, you too, you too, mate. And, um,
0: yeah, hopefully hope everyone uh, enjoys the uh, the rest of their run. Take training, Matty.